This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Father, again, we're praying not that we've left your presence, but we just want to refocus again and ask that you give us ears that are willing to hear, remove any distraction, help us to just have hearts that are prepared, Lord, to hear what your Spirit is saying to us, and do at this meeting, Lord, what we know you want to do. Pour out your Holy Spirit in in a way that will just not only uh, amaze us, but could even shock a nation. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be part of that and just to yearn and to pray for the outpouring of the Spirit. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in our introduction, we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit and the criteria for being filled with the Holy Spirit is we must present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Sacrifices were supposed to be holy, When you brought a lamb to the Lord, you didn't bring a sick one or a maimed one or a blind one or a crippled one. You brought a holy sacrifice. That doesn't mean if you've got any physical defect, you can't come to the Lord. It's talking about spiritually. We are to present ourselves as holy sacrifices. And that means that we repent of our sins. When we come to the Lord and we ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we're willing to repent of our sins. What did the disciples do in the upper room before Pentecost? They put aside their differences. They came together in one place. They prayed. Peter spent some time in weeping. He had denied the Lord. Before the uh, children of Israel received the rain in the days of Elijah, what did they do? You know, before the rain came, they fell on their faces. They said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They humbled themselves before the Lord. They repented of their sins but it didn't rain yet. Elijah then said, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let one of them escape. These false prophets were then taken down to the brook Kidron, and it says Elijah there slew them. Now, whether he is the one who wielded the sword, he may have been. Samuel the prophet took a sword. When Saul was not willing to kill Agag, Samuel hacked him to pieces, the Bible says. And Elijah slew could have been anywhere from 400. One place it says 400 prophets of Baal, and then it says 450 prophets of the grove. It's like there are two different groups. Could have been 850. 850 against one. But he went down, he slew every one of them. He repaired the altar of the Lord. That means restored devotions in our lives, regular time of devotions. At the time of the evening sacrifice, the fire came down. And then after they did that, he went up on Mount Carmel and he prayed seven times. Now, does that mean if you kneel down and you pray, kind of like, you know, Muslims like kneel five times a day, or if you get down on your knees and stand up and get down and stand up and get down and stand up, seven times you're going to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I like to word it differently. Instead of saying that Elijah prayed seven times for the Holy Spirit, I like to say he prayed until it came. He prayed until the rain came. We're talking about rain. Holy Spirit's compared to that. So when the people humbled themselves, they said, the Lord, He is God. He rebuilt the altar of the Lord. We need to restore regular devotions in our lives. He destroyed the false prophets that they had been listening to. 
Then he went up on Mount Carmel and he prayed, and then the rain came, a big rain. It poured. It ended a famine. How many of you would like to have that kind of latter rain in your lives? Now, before I leave that point, I'm just praying for the Spirit as I talk right now. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, God compares it to rain. It doesn't rain every day, does it? Being a Christian means that sometimes you feel God is closer than others. Sometimes you may have that ecstasy and that feeling, that joy, and sometimes you're living by faith and you may not feel very good. Any farmer knows it doesn't rain every day unless you live in Hilo, Hawaii or in Seattle in the winter. So it comes in waves. But we want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. It came after they killed the prophets of Baal that they had been listening to. Now we're going to talk about holiness, friends. You don't want to be conformed to this world, but you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why is he filling us with the Spirit? You have your Bibles? Go to Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 1 verse 8. And you will be, my, be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Why does God want to fill us with the Holy Spirit? You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit that you might be my witnesses. At Pentecost, when God poured out the Holy Spirit, immediately after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what did the disciples do? They began to declare the wonderful works of God and people were baptized. Acts chapter 4, they prayed and the place where they were assembled was shaken. I think this is verse 32. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness. Why does God give us the Holy Spirit? So we can then use the gifts of the Spirit in ministry and telling others about Christ. So when you present yourself a living sacrifice to the Lord, you're really saying, Lord, I'm willing to go where you want me to go. God may have called some of you into ministry, and like Jonah, you're running from it because you've got your eyes set on something you think is more lucrative. Did I hit a note with somebody? Or a raw nerve? God is calling all of us into some form of ministry, and you need to be willing to say, Lord, wherever you want to call us, whatever you want us to do, he fills us with the Spirit, not just for us, but that He might shine through us and reach others. So if you just want the Spirit for you, well, I mean, it's okay to want the Holy Spirit so that you might be filled with God. But even more important than that, you want to be filled with God so that you can be a blessing to others. You want to ricochet the love of Jesus off your life like a mirror. You spend time looking at the Lord. But we often have false prophets in our lives that are preventing us. Now let's talk about holiness for just a moment. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. When do we expect to see God? 
We'll see him come in the clouds. It says, um, in heaven, when we have our glorified bodies, then we'll see him face to face. But is it possible to see God in this life? Do you know anybody that saw the Lord? Revelation 1.17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Hebrews 9, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. Let there be light. Of course, what happens then is that light shines on my page and then it kind of shines up on my face and it gives you that macabre look. <laughs> Any of you ever tell ghost stories around the campfire with a flashlight on your chin? Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That is much better. Thank you. Hebrews 12:14. Notice this. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Meaning, pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Who will see the Lord? The pure in heart. And without holiness, no one will see God. And without holiness, we cannot expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is circular reasoning. I can't be holy without the Holy Spirit, and I can't be filled with the Holy Spirit without being holy. Did you catch that? I can't be holy without the Holy Spirit, and I can't be filled with the Holy Spirit without holiness. That's because it comes in degrees. First, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin. As we respond and make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes into our life like a camel in a tent. It starts with the nose. He comes and He convicts us of our sin. And then as we open up our lives and we respond to that, He moves in. He sort of tests the waters saying, do you want me in your life? And He'll show us the things that make it impossible for Him to, to move in. And as we make the adjustments in our lives, He says, all right, then I believe you do want me. And He comes and He fills our lives. Does that make sense? You can't even want to repent of your sin without the Holy Spirit. But you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit without being holy. So we need to surrender to God. Without holiness, no man will have the Holy Spirit. You know, I had another verse just popped into my mind. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I just saw this yesterday. I was reminded of this. Romans chapter 8. And it says in verse 16, well, let's go to verse, um, go to verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If we're not led by the Spirit of God, are we the sons of God? And it says in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we are none of His. We need to be filled with God's Spirit. Otherwise, we're not His. Now, making it practical for the age in which we're living right now. There never has been a people, there has never been a generation that has more potential to do more in the world than this generation 
There's never been a generation that's had the technology that we have available. We've never had the transportation that we have available to communicate the gospel. We're sending the gospel all over the world through internet, the printing. These messages are being recorded, and ostensibly they'll soon be up on Audioverse or somewhere where people in any corner of the earth with an internet connection can download and listen to these messages. That's amazing. When I was born, that wasn't possible. In this one generation, everything has changed. Opportunities for bouncing the gospel off satellite within two and a half seconds and bringing it back down to earth anywhere on the planet from one point. It's just phenomenal. Opportunities for the gospel are greater than they've ever been. And that's because where sin abounds, grace abounds. Opposition to the gospel is greater than it ever has been. There is more to distract this generation of young people from hearing the voice of Christ than any other time in history. You know, before Thomas Edison came along, if you wanted to listen to music, you needed to know how to sing. Or you needed to know somebody who knew how to sing. And people would get together either at church once a week, and they'd sing, and they really sang. You know, I went to, uh, when I was working in Texas, I was invited to preach in Baptist churches, Methodist churches, and among others, Church of Christ. And this was the Church of Christ variety where they don't allow musical instruments. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And one reason they invited me was because uh, the men in the church were sick and their women weren't allowed on the platform, and they asked me if I'd preach. So I said, sure. And they even paid me. They paid an Adventist preacher to preach. But uh, they sang. Because they had no musical instruments, they had to learn harmony, and they really sang. It was great. Now, I'm not suggesting we get rid of instruments. But along came Thomas Edison. And he developed a mechanism to record and reproduce songs. So you could store a song and you could listen to several songs. You didn't have to go down to the country store and find someone with a banjo to hear music. It got to the place where you could have records and just stack them up. The old record players used to just drop them down like that uh, music player that they had in the drugstore, the Wurlitzer. And then they came out, of course, with 8-track, where it would just play over and over. I had an 8-track player, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Then you had the cassette player with auto-reverse. You could drop it in. It got to the end of the tape. It would just keep on playing until you got tired of it. I still have one of those. And then they got to where they had the digital and uh, the iPods. And I just bought a little drive for my computer. It's an 8 gigabyte drive that's half the size of my pinky thumbnail. Holds 8 gigabytes. I remember my whole computer didn't hold 8 gigabytes. And now you all know what I'm talking about. Now I'm speaking your language. And now on your phones, along with everything else the phone did, the GPS and all the Facebook and everything else that your phone does, your phone can hold enough music for you to travel with the Apollo capsule to the sun, 93 million miles away, over a course of years, and back to earth, 
and never listened to the same same song twice. That may have been an exaggeration, but it sounded really good. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about? And now I see these kids, and and they they walk around, and and uh, I've got I've got a phone. I actually was listening to sermons on the airplane flying out yesterday, but yeah, my phone will do it too. But I see these kids, and they're just listening to music all day long. That's not all gospel music. And they've got uh, on their phones. They now got the video. It's not only in the iPads. It's on the iPods. It's on the iPlugs, and they. Eye plums and eye prunes. And and you are the sum total of what you listen to. You are the sum total of what you watch. The reason that you may speak English is because that's what you've heard. And the reason that you process information the way you do, the reason you react emotionally the way you do, the reason you crave what you crave is because... There's nobody here that would be born craving cigarettes. You probably didn't have a craving for chocolate, having never eaten chocolate. Am I right? person starts shaking. What do you need? I think I need something called chocolate. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like there's something missing from my life and it's going to finally give me fulfillment. You develop habits and cravings based on what you've programmed yourself to crave. And I think the greatest danger for this generation is that is in the blocking us from being spirit-filled is in what we're listening to and what we're reading and what we're thinking and what we're watching. God's called us to holiness He wants us to have pure words. James 3.10 Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does the same fountain send forth from one spot sweet water and bitter? Jesus says we'll give an account in the judgment, Matthew chapter 12, for every idle word that we speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart? You get together and you just stand on the outskirts of young people talking. And frequently they're talking about the latest movies or the latest rock star. These are Christian young people. It's not a lot different than what you find in the world. You don't often hear them talking about, you know, I discovered something new in the Word of God that's just really changed my life or I had this experience with the Lord, or I had the most amazing witnessing experience. I I shared with this person, I saw this miracle. If we really want this conference to be different, if we really want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then what we really need to have more than anything is a purity of heart. And that's going to mean making radical changes in our lives based on what we watch, what we read, what we listen to, And we need to hold fast to those things that are just and holy and pure and good. And if you want to see a revival break out among God's people, then let them put everything on the altar and just say, Lord, I'm willing to turn away from anything that is going to separate me from you. Anything that smacks of the world, 
any conversation, any programs, any music, any reading literature that is not going to fill me with you. It doesn't mean you can't watch the news. It doesn't mean, I'm I'm not saying that uh, there's nothing good out there. But I think we all know that right now, this generation is being bombarded with more distracting voices than any other generation that's ever existed. Matter of fact, the noise, noise level that comes into your soul now is so loud that I think we've gotten used to living in the roar of an airport. And we just have, we're missing that still small voice of God's Spirit speaking to our hearts because there's so much background noise. And we're going to have to do something about it. We have to make conscious decisions to say, Lord, I'm going to fast. Fasting from food, that's, that can be good, but even beyond that, I'm going to fast from watching television, from watching videos, unless they're Amazing Facts videos. <laughs> uh, I'm always a little conflicted when I talk about this stuff. You know, there's other good ones out there. But fast. I'm gonna, if, it's, if it's worldly music, Lord, take it away from me. I want to fill myself with you. You can't be drinking from both fountains and wondering why you're sick. If you're drinking polluted water and bottled water, <laughs> it's not going to help you. You can have lots of good, clean, bottled water if you're in some foreign country. And after you drink half that bottled water, you say, look, I'm running low. You go and you take tap water that's polluted. All things polluted now. And so if you say, look, I'm going to this conference and I'm reading my Bible and I'm listening to spiritual sermons and I'm praying, but then I'm also drinking from this other polluted fountain at the same time, you're going to stay sick. You've got to cut off what's bad and hold fast to that which is good. God is holy. And if we're someday going to live in the presence of a holy God, he's calling us to be holy. And that holiness needs to exist in our lives now. You can't say, I'm going to wait until I see Jesus comes, and then all of a sudden I'm going to experience holiness. He is offering you holiness now. And if we'd be full of the Holy Spirit, we must now be transformed. That means, And there's sometimes effort involved in turning away from those things. We're going to talk about being victorious overcomers more in our later presentation. He wants us to, we're changed by what we look at. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. Everything you look at is going to affect you. You know, I hear that... uh, in Africa, they've got this beautiful blue butterfly. It's a very delicate, dainty butterfly that's got these jewel-like wings. And as you watch it flit around, you could just be dazzled by it. And then you find out uh, your opinion of the butterfly might change when you see it land on its favorite food, which happens to be dung. And you think, what a beautiful butterfly. And you were hoping you could catch and hold that butterfly until you found out what it feeds on. And there's a lot of people out there that flit and flutter and, and shine 
for everybody around them, but if you found out what they're feeding on, we'd find it revolting. And the Lord wants us to shine for Him, but He wants us to be consistent. You can't be feeding on the things of the world and shining for God. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, think on these things. Romans 12.9 Arbor what is evil, cling to what is good. Psalms 101 verse 3 I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Now you know what? I'd like to make a suggestion to you. Make yourself an itty bitty bumper sticker. Big enough where you can read it. With that verse right there, it's short. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Psalm 101 verse 3. Tape it on your television, on your laptop. Put it on your cell phone. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. most important sense that we all have is sight. And it greatly influences who we become. We become like what we look at. We are behold, we're transformed by what we behold. Or we're conformed to the world by what we behold. And so we can make a choice every day what we want to look at. Zacchaeus wanted to look at Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He planned his day. He saw where Jesus was going so that he could climb a tree and he could see Jesus. And as soon as he got up in that tree, he was willing to... <laughs> you have to humble yourself if you're a Pharisee and you do that in order to see Jesus. He climbed that tree so that he could see Christ. And did he get to see Jesus? And as soon as Jesus saw him, he said, Zacchaeus, come to me. For today I want to abide at your house. And he received Jesus joyfully. If you'll make an honest effort to place yourself where you think Christ is going to be, coming to these meetings is an example of that, then you can have an encounter with Jesus. And he saw Christ, and it says he received him joyfully. And you know what? As soon as he saw that Christ accepted him, he humbled himself and he said, Lord, if I've taken anything, he repented of his sins and he confessed. He said, if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll pay him back fourfold. Half my goods I give to the poor. And Jesus said, truly, salvation is come to this house inasmuch as he is the son of Abraham. By the way, this is all in Luke chapter 19. He declared him to be a son of Abraham as soon as he came to Christ and he repented of his sins. Right away. And you know what? Jesus said, I am moving in with you. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to abide with you. I'm going to sup with you. How many of you want Jesus in your minds? You want Jesus in your house. You know what it began with? Zacchaeus wanted to see the Lord. What are you looking at? You will become like what you look at. If you want to be transformed, start looking at Jesus. Look at the things that help you see Jesus. And I don't mean just what you look at on a TV monitor or on your phone monitor. Somebody said in the future there's going to be three monitors. There's going to be the computer monitor. There's going to be the phone monitor. And there's going to be the TV monitor. And those monitors right now are controlling the world. I, you know, I went to a seminar on communication, knowing how to communicate uh, the gospel. What, what are people looking at? 
so we can get the gospel in front of them. And this summary of what these industries of the world are learning right now, they said, you've got to get your message out on three monitors. People are watching TV, they're looking at their computers, and on their phones. And those three monitors are transforming the minds of the world. What do you think is causing these these, uh, riots and these rebellions and things and the transformations in governments in some of these other countries right now? Everybody is Facebooking and communicating with each other on their phones. And it's just the whole world is being controlled by these mediums of communication. It's what they're looking at. What's going to bring a transformation for us? What are you looking at? What will bring about your conversion? You need to see the Lord. What brought about the conversion of Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. Saw him in his holiness. The angel said, holy, holy, holy. What brought about the conversion of Paul? On the way to Damascus, I saw Jesus. And he was transformed by it. The thief that was hanging on the cross and ready to die, lost. He'll be saved. Why? Because he turned to Jesus and he saw Christ lifted up. He saw the Lord. At Pentecost, before, the, before Peter said, repent and be baptized, what brought the people to the place where they said, what, what, what must we do to be saved? Peter was preaching and they saw the Lord. You know, the most important thing that could happen for us is to see the Lord. Because if you see Jesus, if you see Christ lifted up, if you get a vision of who He is and how much He loves you, if you get a picture of Him surrounded by holy angels, if you get a concept of the holiness of God, you know, the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Exodus 33, 20. God said to Moses, you cannot see my face. There's no man that shall see me and live. Manoah in Judges chapter 13, 22, he said to his wife, we're going to die because we've seen God. Of course, they didn't die, but they just understood how holy God was. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16, when I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered, and um, at the voice of God, rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled myself. Ezekiel in chapter 1 verse 28 said, This was the appearance, the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. Matthew 17, when the disciples saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, they fell on their faces and they were sore afraid. Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am undone. Here's what it means, friends. When we really seek after God, if God reveals himself to us, and you see the goodness of God, you see the holiness of God, you by contrast will see your sinfulness. Then we repent, we confess. What did Isaiah do? He said, Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then God sent an angel with a coal from the altar and cleansed him. When Zacchaeus saw Jesus, he repented, and Jesus said, this is a son of Abraham. He cleansed him. When the thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me. Remember the thief said, this man, he said to his companion thief, we're getting what we deserve. He confessed, he repented. 
for we're receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man's done nothing wrong. And he said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus, right then and there, said, Verily I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. When we get a picture of God and His holiness, when you see Christ lifted up, people will be drawn. We'll repent, we'll confess, and then He wants to fill us with His Spirit. He'll send us that coal from His altar. He'll open the heavens. That small cloud will turn into a big cloud and it'll pour rain out into our lives. But the bottom line is we've got to come to the place where we don't want anything in this world more than being filled with God. The all-consuming desire of your life is for Jesus. And you know, I think if you knew Him better, you'd want Him more. The reason you develop a craving for anything, whether it's chocolate or whatever it might be, is because you tasted it before. The more you taste Jesus, the more you're going to crave Him. I hope that you will make it a point during our time this week to spend time looking for Jesus, seeking after Christ, searching for the things of God, spend time in your Word, spend time alone on your knees, praying, spend quiet time. You know, Public prayers typically should be short. Jesus talked about those who pray long prayers in public. So long prayers, we ought to really spend some time with the Lord. And I'm hoping you'll take some of that time. Also, we're going to be praying together. When you see people around the conference, as you feel impressed by the Spirit, you see friends, sometimes we get together with our friends, we talk about everything under the sun except Jesus. Am I right? Why not make it a point, the first thing you say when you see your friends, and say, can we pray together? Just set the tone right then and there. Ostensibly, we're here because we're all seeking after Christ, right? Now, I'm going to pray with you, and then I want to give some time. I don't know if we got the lights turned up as loud as we need to be, but we're going to dedicate some time to talking about some of the practical things about how we can be filled with the Spirit. And there's a microphone, I understand, and the audio people may correct me, but I see a microphone down front. We'd like to ask if you have a question that you'll frame your question that'll have something to do in the context of what we're talking about for the Holy Spirit, that uh, you'll frame your question uh, quickly. Just try and make it a sentence or two. There's always a temptation to, you know, somebody maybe says, ah, a microphone and a group of people. I have a platform and a message. And, uh, you know, I do a Bible radio program and some people call and they say, we have a Bible question and it really, they don't have a question, they want to make a statement. And they're using our program to make a statement. Now, nobody here would do that, I'm sure. But just in case, I wanted to say, let's make sure it's a question and let's keep it on, on topic. But uh, there's a microphone here, and if someone would like to come, we're going to have prayer first, and uh, then we'll open it up to questions. Lord, we are again praying that this will be the central desire of our lives to understand what we can do, Lord, to cooperate with what we know you want to do. You've told us that you are more willing to give the Spirit than earthly parents are to give food to their children. When you promised to send the Holy Spirit to your disciples, we don't read anywhere where you have recalled or retracted that promise. We believe it's still available. We cannot live the Christian life without the Spirit of Christ. And so, Lord, help us to know what to do, to experience that now and at this meeting during this week. Be with all the groups as they meet and be with us in our question time that follows. We pray now in Jesus' name.
This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.